Good morning, folks, and welcome back to another episode of South of the Treaded Curtain. We will be without your boy, Devin Hine, today, unfortunately, uh, which is definitely a bummer, and I do apologize for this coming out a lot later than I anticipated. Both my wife and daughter are sick, and this is the first time all weekend I've had an hour to myself to just kind of sit down and gather my thoughts and talk about the Packers. But today's a glorious day. Today, we face the Bears, winning in scenario. It's a great day to be a Packer fan. Hopefully the day ends as well as it starts. I'm going to start off with doing a little I think and I know in honor of Devin. He kind of called me out for not doing it last episode I did on my own, so I don't want to disappoint here. It's kind of a past tense thing, but at the beginning of the year, I was hoping, I was thinking that this year was the parallel to 2008. I think most people were. So 2008 was the first year that Aaron Rodgers took over the helmet quarterback for the Packers. He played well. We lost a lot of games, right? A lot of a lot of close games that year. Um, he had good stats, but didn't really turn into a lot of victories. We went six and ten, missed the playoffs. That's kind of what I expected this year, right? And I think a lot a lot of us Packer fans out there probably felt the same way. That a 2008 type season, that'd be fine. Right, Because at the end of 2008, he still felt pretty good about Aaron Rodgers being the guy going forward. He showed enough flashes throughout the year. They're like, okay, I see it. This kid's the guy. He's the guy going forward. And at the beginning of this year, I think most of us would have said, even if we don't have a great record, but we end the year thinking Jordan Love is the guy, it's a success, right? We'd all, all be happy with that. Sign up day one. However, as this season has kind of come to a close and depending on the outcome of this afternoon's game, I think this might be 2009 instead. So 2009 was a year where we went 10 and 6, 11 and 5, I think maybe 11 and 5. We just barely squeaked into the playoffs on a wild card while we were the fifth the fifth seed, I believe. And we played the Cardinals. We had a really good defense that year. We don't this year, obviously, as we have talked about ad nauseum. But we got into the playoffs, and, Jordan, and Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal showing. We lost controversial controversial game. If you guys remember, it was the one where uh, I think it was Carlos Dansby, kind of a strip sack on Aaron Rodgers at the end of the game. When blatant face mask that wasn't called, return for a touchdown game over. It was crazy. Shoot out both in the 40s or 50s, like some crazy game. Aaron Rodgers, prime end of career, Kurt Warner, toe to toe, absolutely balling out shootout. And after that game, everybody was like, wow, we kind of already thought this was the guy, but this looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Right, this the the ceiling for this team is crazy, and I think we're we may be closer to two thousand nine. And here's why: I feel that Jordan is the guy, right? I feel like most of us feel that way at this point. But we've exceeded at least my expectations. A lot of players on this team have exceeded my expectations. 
The defense has been terrible, to be fair. But it feels like we're on the precipice of something. And that's what 2009 felt like. It felt like we were on the edge of greatness. And then 2010 comes along, we win the Super Bowl. 2011 comes along, and we go 15-1. and one. It feels like we're right there, right? kind of feels like we may be a year ahead of schedule. 2025 was kind of supposed to be the year when you look at all the cap coming off and we finally have money to spend and by that time Jordan would be up and running and all these young guys would finally be gelling and playing well together on offense. But a lot of that's happening this year, right? The money's thing, that that's true. We still won't have a lot of money to spend this offseason. We will going into 2025. However, offense is gelling. All those young guys are stepping up, like literally pretty much all of them, which is crazy. Shout out Bo Melton. But it feels like we're on the edge of greatness here. And no matter what happens by the end of today, no matter if we play next week or not, I think the entire fan base needs to be incredibly excited about our direction going forward. Especially if we get rid of Joe Barry. And that may be tough, right? It's a possibility we lose to the Bears today, this afternoon. And that would be crushing, like it was crushing last year. To miss the playoffs because a young and hungry rival beats you in your house. Me and Devin and our good friend JP were at that game last year. It was rough, to say the least. But, as someone else pointed out, I think it was Andy Herman, on back a day. He brought up that, unlike last year, last year felt like clinging clinging on to something, right? You're at the tail end of something great, and can you do it one more time? Can Aaron Rodgers save us one more time? It's a whole whole different feeling and vibe to this team in this game. We're building, right? We're getting better, except the defense. Jordan Love and the offense getting better. Showing that he's the guy, and this offense is going to be scary for years to come. Now, speaking of the offense, let's talk a little bit about the Vikings game and some cool stuff that happened on offense. I'm going to kind of breeze through a lot of the Vikings game. I had planned to kind of go a lot more in depth on what a great showing it was for everybody. But, you know, given that it is Sunday and games are have just started at the time of me recording this, um, naturally I'm thinking a lot about the Bears. So we're going to talk a lot about the upcoming game. But I would be absolutely remiss to not mention the absolute butt whooping we put on the Vikings. Because that was awesome. Right? You know who else was awesome? Who specifically was awesome? Who I have talked about week in and week out. And he just keeps giving me reasons to. Week in and week out. Tucker Craft was awesome. I know there are a few people that really enjoy the last couple weeks and the last month or two. All the tight end talk out there. And that's great because I love talking about the tight ends. It's a position we have not been able to talk about well since like one good year of Jared Cook, right? Jermichael Finley before that. You know, since this podcast started, we have not had a good tight end, really. As much as I love, loved Robert Tunyon before he went to the Bears, this is different, right? And Tucker Craft shows us that he he's showing to be special week in and week out. He's an absolute yak monster at this point, which is so cool to see all those skills he had 
at South Dakota State transferring. Took some time, but transferred. No matter what, you throw a little ball into him in the flat, that first guy is not going to hit him and stick him and make him drop on the spot. He will drag him. He had a phenomenal stiff arm, right? And there's already memes out there of the guy he stiffed arm just floating off into space and whatnot, which are hilarious. But he's he's got that little bit of crazy George Kittle in him, which is feels needed at this point um, in the NFL to be a great tight end, and and I love love to see it. And I also love to see Aaron Jones, man. I mean, that's two weeks in a row. He is phenomenal, right? You almost forget how good this dude was because he hasn't been on the field consistently, and when he has, we barely give him the football. But Aaron Jones is awesome. He's so good. 20 carries, 120 yards. Love to see it, right? He just brings that electricity. Every play can be a big play with him in the game. Not the feeling they had with A.J. Dillon in there. As much as we love A.J., not the same, right? That big play wasn't coming. Now instead of A.J. Dillon three yards, Aaron Jones consistently getting six. And that six may be 30 at any point in time. Another really great player that just absolutely looked phenomenal, Jaden Reed, right? So he he got hurt, basically just played a half, put up six catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Both touchdowns, super impressive. That first one kind of split the safeties in the cover two look that the Vikings were giving us. Easy catch, great route to get that open, and phenomenal throw by Jordan Love. That is one of those throws that you put on your highlight tape for your career. It's one of those throws you see and you're like, wow, that's the best quarterback in football, right? Jordan Love is not, but that's the kind of throw you see. It just took him a second to realize or to to get to Jane Reed in the, the process, whatever it may be, looking off safety. Don't know exactly what was going on there, but once he saw him jump up, it's like he got so excited he had to jump, Jump up, no feet on the ground, and just whipped that ball in there 40 yards downfield. That is not something most quarterbacks can do, right? That is, and they showed it on the broadcast, but it's 100% an Aaron Rodgers, a Brett Favre throw. That's a big boy throw. That's a, that's a Josh Allen throw. That's a Patrick Mahomes throw. That's a Justin Herbert throw. That's the kind of throw that only the elite in this league can make and make look so easy. And I let that throw kind of take me away from my initial points. Jane Reed looks so good, man. He looks so good. That second touchdown on just like a little slant, right? A little slant, get open right away. Okay, cool. Great. Get the first down. Good play. We're in the run zone now. Wonderful. Oh, wait. He didn't go down. He's just making people miss and dragging Vikings defenders into the end zone. Pretty impressive for being like 5'10", 190, 5'11", whatever he's listed at. He plays with such a dog inside him that we have been missing in this wide receiver room. And now it looks like we may have several. But just his ability to make big plays, game in and game out, that's something that is not going to go away. He's going to be a problem in this league for a while. And with Reed, it's not even just the big plays, although he makes plenty of them. He looked really comfortable in this game. There's a I believe it was a deep out to the left side of the field that Jordan Love is really good at throwing, by the way. Deep ends, deep curls, 
deep outs. Those are very hard throws to make in the NFL. And Jordan Love makes them look easy. But Jane Ray was able to just like a little toe tap, you know, just catch the ball right off the sideline. Little toe tap, no big deal. It's a hard catch. That's like Jordy, Randall Cobb level, James Jones definitely level of field awareness. That is not normal for a rookie. Just like, okay, no big deal. Here I am on the sideline. Let me just pluck the ball out of out of the air 20 yards downfield and just a little toe tap. Make it look like, look like another day in the park. Like you're running the play against air. That connection that Love has with Reed is incredible. And well, it's only going to get better, right? That's the scary part looking at this offense. Like everybody should get better. This is the worst everybody should play and the worst everybody should look together. That should be a scary thought going forward. And there's so much more I could go over in this game, specifics about different plays and who played well and everything, and especially on offense. But let me just give Bo Melton his flowers, right? He looked awesome and really made me look smart talking to him up a little bit last week in my episode. Last week I talked about him just, hey, he looks like an NFL football player. That's great from wide receiver six. Most wide receiver sixes don't look like NFL football players. Now, he didn't only do that, but he was our first 100-yard receiver of the year. Of the year. Think about all the talent we have in that wide receiving room, and Bo Melton, of all people, was the first. Now, if Jaden Reed didn't get hurt and miss essentially the entire second half, he only needed 11 yards. I'm sure he would have gotten 11 yards in the second half to become the first. But Bo Melton stepped up. And without Christian Watson, having Bo Melton gives you another speed aspect to the offense. And you saw that on his touchdown. I mean, he was wide open, but he can run across the field and kind of a deep crosser. You saw that on the heave to Jordan Love as he's backpedaling, just chucks it up there to wide open Bo Melton. You saw it on the exact same play that Clifford did pretty much the exact same thing to Bo Melton that got him over 100 yards. Also, uh, thank you to the Vikings for taking their timeouts and pissing off Matt LaFleur so Matt LaFleur calls a pass play to get us a 100-yard wide receiver. Appreciate that very much. But we have such a good problem to have now. We came into the year like not really knowing anything about the pass catchers. Now all of a sudden, our wide receiver six, I think, right? So we got Watson. This is no particular order, but Watson, Dubs, um, Wicks, Reed, Heath, Melton, number six, probably maybe maybe number five now. Um, Lily Keith had a nice nice catch as well and is doing a great job blocking. He's basically like Alan Lazard light at this point. Nothing wrong with that for wide receiver five. That's phenomenal value. But Melton gives you, he gives you something. He's got some juice, man. And really cool to see him get an opportunity and take the most of it, take advantage of it. You know, he was on the practice squad last year. And some people that kind of were aware of him from college um, thought, hey, this, this guy, he's got something. Wouldn't doubt he's super fast, so that's something we def- desperately needed. Maybe he wasn't just ready yet, but he's shown us what he can do and shown us the depth of this receiving core, and it is wild 
to see and to think about the future of these guys. But good job, Bo Melton. You know, I hope he's earned himself a lot more reps. I don't know where they come from. I guess the only good news in that scenario is we're never healthy in the wide receiving room, including this week. Um, so there's always somebody out for you to fill in for. But he looked he looked like a real guy, man. He looked really good out there, which is absolutely crazy. Also want to give a quick shout-out to the offensive line. Um, Ryan Flores, the defense coordinator for the Vikings, is known for his multiple defenses, bringing a lot of pressure, confusing defenses and schemes and hiding who's coming, who's going, dropping safeties, rotating safeties, bringing safeties on blitzes, all the above. Complicated defense to play, which is why we part of why we look so bad the first time we played him. But shout out to the offensive line and Jordan Love for doing the right thing and making sure that we were blocked up consistently. They got some real pass rushers on the other side of the field, and you couldn't tell during the game. You could not tell. Jordan Love was not sacked. Against a defense with, with these kind of players, with this kind of scheme, that is very impressive. Very impressive. So shout out to the O-line. We've talked a lot about them this year. Still think there's going to be some shakeups in the offseason. Good job. You know, even not a great job. Josh Myers did not play a good game. But overall, if you don't give up a sack, it's a good day at the office, right? Now let's talk about this defense a little bit. So if you win 33-10, to 10, the defense did something right, right? We've, we've talked a lot of crap about this defense, some of the players and definitely the coordinator a lot of the season. I'm just going to touch on some things I was happy with. There were only like one or two things that I wasn't. First of all, man, it felt good for for Ballantyne to get that interception. I get it was it was tipped off a tight end's hands and whatnot, but for a team that never seems to to really get a ton of takeaways, especially through the air, sometimes you just it's better to be lucky than good. You just need something to go your way and to catch the football. Got to be in the vicinity to make a play, right? It felt really good for him because he's a journeyman. It's kind of hard to remember he's not a rookie like Valentine. He's, you know, 27, something like that. His fifth year, like, this is this is it for him, probably. It's probably the peak of his careers, the amount he started this year. So it felt awesome for him to make a big play, right, and get the football, Get an interception because he has done everything we've asked of him this year and we should not have had to ask that much of him, but he stepped up to the plate and played some really good football, really good football from a guy who I would not have expected to play really good football given his career so far, but felt really good for him. What a moment for that guy, right? No matter what happens after this year for him, if he goes back to the bench or, or whatever. He's always got this, right? In a big primetime game, he got an interception. Good for Ballantyne. Now, the defense as a whole played much better and much more aggressive this game. I thought there was really good pass rush early, kind of get Jaron Hall uncomfortable. 
Um, some of that he's he's an athletic quarterback. He was able to get out and about, still make a couple plays, but that's key. Make the quarterback uncomfortable. And I think we did that. And part of that was a beautiful strip sack by Preston. I mean, just Mr. Consistency. Feels like week in, week out, he makes a play, right? Could be he sets the edge really well for a tackle for loss. He could be the one getting the tackle for loss. Or feels like he's gotten a little pass rush mojo back this year. Gary got the big contract, obviously, and rightfully so. But Preston has been playing, man. Without him, our defense looks much worse. And I know we all make fun of him being, you know, a cornerback one type of things when he has to drop down and or drop out and cover Devontae Adams or Justin Jefferson or whatever. But overall, he does everything we ask him to do. He does it pretty darn well. So good job, Preston. Schematically, I noticed a couple things that were interesting and I hope we bring to the plate this week. We played more man, um, which is good. Thought being aggressive was interesting, especially given who we were trotting out there at cornerback against a pretty good receiving core. But we were not afraid to man up Valentine on Justin Jefferson, and they put Justin Jefferson in motion. Right, That's how you can tell if you put a wide receiver in motion to the other side of the field and a guy follows him, man, pretty simple. I remember thinking during the game when that happened, I was like, oh, no, this is not what I want to see. But things went well, and part of that's because the pass rush was getting home. Part of that, I think, was we were being more aggressive blitzing. Quay had a nice sack. We used Quay a lot blitzing like we have the last couple weeks. Did a little bit more slot pressure, brought Nixon a couple times which I think really plays to his strengths. I don't think he's a great cover guy. I think he likes being in the middle of stuff. You know, use that athleticism to get to the ball carrier. He's pretty physical overall, and I think sending him on some slot blitzes, that's a really good idea, one that I wish we would have done a lot earlier. But he's not afraid to stick his nose in there, which is good because Valentine and Jair definitely are afraid to stick their nose in there, at least at this point with Jair coming off injury. But that was cool to see. Some adjustments played a little bit more aggressive style, um, schematically slightly different, a little more man it felt like, all of which seemed to go well, right? We pressed the right buttons at the right times. I do want to point out one other kind of positive-ish thing that I saw in this game from the defense, and specifically from Lucas Van Ness, Barrington Zone. I know I've been slacking on that. Jane Reed, Naperville Zone, by the way. Uh, but LVN... You know, we've talked about this before, but it hasn't had quite the flashiest of rookie seasons. I think most people realize that he probably wouldn't. But that doesn't mean he's not impactful, right? There was a one run play, I think, to Alexander Madison towards the end of the game where he kind of breaks three up, free up the middle, right? It's like a nine-yard play, but LVN tracks him down from behind, like backside tracks him down, tackles him for a nine-yard gain. Which on the surface, like, okay, that, that's not great, right? We gave up a nine-yard run play. But without LVN, I mean, that's probably a 15-yard play. I mean, LVN was the first person there with a head of steam. You know, I think Madison probably picks up another five, six, ten yards. Those plays matter, right? It, it may not show up as something significant in the stat sheet outside of just you got a tackle, congratulations, but... Now it's second and one. 
there's still an opportunity for the offense to go backwards and complete pass, whatever, and get them in a third down situation. You know, that that kind of stuff matters over the course of a game. Um, would I love to see more flash out of LVN? Absolutely. And I think we will. I think he definitely needs another full offseason to kind of get up to speed physically and everything. Make sure he knows all the scheme and get more reps and all that kind of good stuff. But those kind of hustle plays you don't teach, right? There's a lot of pass rushers in this league that aren't chasing down a running back backside nine yards downfield. It's not going to happen, right? They win or lose their matchup, and that's kind of it. But LVN is not that guy. That was a lot of positivity, and there's it should have been, right? We only gave up 10 points. But Joe Barry still pissed me off at least once in this game. Uh, we gave up a third and 14 to Justin Jefferson on a deep in of all people. Just kind of wide open. You know, so even when there's a really good performance, there's st- we still got some classic Joe Barry in there. Just can't help himself but to leave the opponent's best player wide open on third and 14. Right? Third and four? I don't feel so bad. Third and 14? Yep. Okay. That's Joe Barry. I'm mad. But all that being said, 33 to 10, game was never in doubt. We controlled it through and through. Phenomenal. Let's move on to the Bears, shall we? So, as everybody knows at this point, this is a win and in game for us, which is great. Everything we needed to happen last week happened in order to make this a possibility. This is the same position we were in last year facing the Lions. And we beat this Bears team week one pretty handedly. Right? Everything looks great. I will say that this game does make me a little nervous. We are not the same Packers team as we were week one, for the better, I believe. They are definitely not the same Bears team they were week one. Justin Fields has remembered that he's not the worst quarterback in the league. He hasn't been playing great, but he's been playing better, right? DJ Moore's awesome. You know, depending on who they put out for running back, they got a lot of good options in that backfield. That'll hurt you. I made the big Montez sweat trade during the season, which at the time I wasn't a huge fan of for them, but Montez sweat currently leads the Bears and Commanders in sacks. He's been playing great, really, really good football. Um, he's going to be a problem, potentially, potentially a problem. This is, this is going to be a game, right? And... There's a lot on the line for this Bears team. Obviously, being you know outside Chicago and the suburbs here in Illinois, I hear about it all the time, right? I, I get to live the highs and lows of being a Bears fan with my coworkers and friends and whatnot, and they're excited. They expect to win this game. They've been playing well. They think a lot... Honestly, a lot's riding on this game for them. They started the season poor, really picked it up. They have to make a decision on Justin Fields, on the coach. What what are they going to do with the first pick? So a lot goes into this. And fan-wise, and I'm sure on the team, there would be no better time to prove that this quarterback and this coach Deserve another shot than against Green Bay by going into our house, coming out with a victory to knock us out of playoff contention. They are so amped up for this down here. So excited. 
They believe in Justin Fields. Most of them believe in Justin Fields. Believe this team is good. Believe they are in the exact same position as the Lions last year. The Lions also started 1-5, just like the Bears. And really proved to to the league that they were an up-and-coming team. And part of that was by beating us in Week 18. The Bears feel they're in the exact same position and that this could be a springboard for a truly successful year next year. Winning record, playoffs, all that. That's the noise down here. This is not playing a Panthers team or a Cardinals team or a Patriots team that's knocked out of the playoffs. Brian, just they're just here to play their last game, collect their paycheck, go home. It doesn't mean they won't play hard, right? It's the NFL. You have to play hard or else you're going to get hurt. But there's a lot going into this game for Chicago. A lot. And like I said, their fans are excited to make up for the dud week one against us. They're hungry. This is going to be a hard game. You know, I fully expect this to be a close game. We're not going to beat them by 18 points. I think like we did week one, it wasn't even that close, right? We just walked away from them. Their defense is playing great. Depending on what metric you look at, they're top five, top three, top one in a lot of categories. It's going to be a tough test. It's going to be a tough, tough test. We're currently favored by three. And if you know anything about betting, the home team always is favored by at least three. Or you get three points for being the home team, I should say. So it's kind of a pick em, depending on who you ask. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. Now, injuries may play a big factor in this game. And not just against us for once, which is great. We got some news this week. Rudy Ford went to IR, so he will not be playing. If we make the playoffs, he will still not be playing. However, we have activated Emmanuel Wilson and Luke Musgrave. We could have both of them back on the field. And we could add Luke Musgrave to dynamic, crazy Tucker Craft, which would be really interesting to see. Imagine Luke's got a little rust, same with Wilson, but having them back in the fold would be huge. We need more weapons, especially given that A.J. Dillon is out. Wilson may get a little bit of a run. Fully expect Patrick Taylor to handle the backup duties, but doesn't mean Wilson won't get a carry here or there. Now, it's looking like Isaiah McDuffie's doubtful. He's not going to play. Devondre Campbell will play, so we'll have our two starting linebackers. Preston Smith is questionable for us. He's been dealing with some stuff all week. That would be a big loss for us. Big loss. This Bears team really likes to run the football. They're a good running team. With or without Justin Fields, they just get better with. We need Preston to set the edge. That would be a big loss for us on defense. Could cause us some big problems if he doesn't suit up. The good news is, the Bears got some problems too. It's kind of nice to not necessarily be the worst injury team, injured team in this matchup. We have more overall in the injury report, but theirs may be more impactful for once. So we've got Cole Komet, questionable. Khalil Herbert, questionable. It sounds like Khalil Herbert's probably not going to play, which leaves them with uh, Roshan Johnson and um, Deontay Foreman, both 
good running backs. Herbert's probably a little bit more dynamic than both of them. Um, more of a big play threat. But they're both good, solid running backs that have played well this year. Lucas Patrick, our old buddy, old pal, former Packer lineman. He is, they put him on IR. He was their uh, guard, I believe, center. He kind of did both throughout the year. That would be big. He's not a particularly great player. I don't, I'm not sure if their backups are any better, but that would be a big one. If nothing else, communication on the on the offensive line changes up a little bit. Then the two big ones. Kyler Gordon, really good cornerback they drafted last year. This is his second year. He's questionable. He plays predominantly in the slot. Um, he seems like a game-time decision. And then the big one. Jalen Johnson is doubtful there. Pro Bowl, if not, he should be. Cornerback. He's probably going to get a big payday this year in the offseason. He's a very good cornerback. Somebody the, the Bears love, the fans love. They all get behind. One of, if not their best player on defense. He's not going to play. He's doubtful. He's not playing. So if him and Gordon both don't go... I fully expect us to attack the backups. You know, they would be at that point starting two rookie corners. And hopefully they're not as good as Valentine and Valentine are. <laughs> of all teams, we know not to take that lightly, right? Like our best defensive performances have all been with Valentine and Valentine. So you never know. But Jalen Johnson, Kyle Gordon, good players. Jalen Johnson, very good player. That would be huge. You know, I think. Their secondary definitely can be exposed. Jaquan Brisker, their safety is pretty good. Eddie Jackson, really hit or miss. Their other safety. So if you can expose Eddie Jackson and their corners, we could have a big day through the air. Which would be good because their run defense is pretty stout. They're pretty stout up the middle. Um, good linebackers in Edwards, Edmonds, and Sanborn. Good defensive line with Dexter. Sweats, pretty decent at the edge holding the edge. So this a lot going on there. They have a good run, run defense, not as good pass offense, pass defense. Kind of plays into our hands potentially. Their offense is really good at running the ball. We're really bad at stopping the run, right? So this whole strength versus weakness versus weakness versus strength, it'll be interesting. And like it normally does, it's all going to come down to the quarterback. Can we contain Justin Fields? You know, he's got 2,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and then 630 yards on the ground. Those aren't crazy numbers, but as we've seen from the past, any given play, he can he can make you go, wow, and score a touchdown. Right? He has all the arm talent in the world. He's an absolute freak of nature running the football. He's just not the world's best football player, best quarterback. But he can hurt you. He can hurt you. So we're gonna have to keep contain on him. I expect a lot of a lot of Quay, hopefully, not Devondre. Doing a lot of spying. Maybe dropping the safeties down and spy. The edge rushers gotta contain their edge, set the edge. Don't get too far upfield. We gotta be prepared for that run game in all forms and facets that it, it's gonna come at us. DJ Moore's awesome. I I really I believe I talked about it on the show last year. I really wanted us to trade for DJ Moore. Um, he's going to be an issue. Hopefully Jair is healthy. Hopefully Jair is locked in. This could be a really good matchup for Jair. We're not going to go man all the time. We're 
probably barely going to go man, but that's who I want on DJ Moore for sure. For sure, given his playmaking ability. So this is going to be interesting. Obviously, we're winning, we're, we win and we're in. That's the big takeaway, right? And I really want to get into the playoffs. I don't particularly have any expectations once we get there. But I want to see this team in a playoff environment. And just like I said at the beginning of the show, 2009. 2009, we got into the playoffs, lost a heartbreaker, came back stronger because of it. Took those lessons, utilized them the next year in our Super Bowl run. Super Bowl run. That's what I want for this team. They're so young. Just get them the experience of being in the dance. And when you're in the dance, you never know what happens. Right? The NFC's not super scary this year. You never know what happens. But first things first, we have to get in the dance. Winning it. But there is another way to get there. So, some of these games are going on right now. So, hopefully... I haven't been able to check the scores yet or not, but hopefully they're going in our our way. If we lose, we can still get the number seven seed. If we win, there's a chance for sixth or seven, depending on what happens with the Rams and a couple other teams. And I'm not going to get into who we could potentially play. More likely, more than likely, it'd be like Dallas or the Lions. To get the seven seed, if we lose, the Vikings have to lose. They're playing the Lions currently. The Seahawks have to lose. They play the same time we do against the Cardinals, which sounds bad, but the Cardinals have been playing pretty well recently. They just knocked off Eagles last week. We need, And then we need either the Buccaneers or Saints to lose. So Buccaneers are playing Panthers, unlikely, and then the Saints are playing the Falcons. So there's potential there. So we are rooting for the Lions, the Cardinals, the Panthers, and the Falcons today. Three of those four games are going on currently on the 12 o'clock slate, Seahawks-Cardinals at 325, just like us. So depending on what happens in that first round of games, we could need just us to win or the Seahawks to lose come 325. All that being said, who cares? Beat the Bears. Go Pack Go.